Welcome to another exciting episode of The Tax Efficient Investor. Listen in as host Michael Johnston demystifies tax-efficient tactics to help you grow your wealth. We break down complex tax strategies and make them simple to understand and easy to implement. From HSAs to IRAs, 1031s, trusts, and more, we cover it all here on The Tax Efficient Investor. Welcome to the show. I'm Michael Johnston. Joining me today is Rhett Grimes, strategist and partner at Anchor Tree Capital, and also Ken Crabb. Ken's the founder of the Restricted Property Trust. Gentlemen, how are you doing? Great. How are you? Appreciate you having us. I too am excited to be here. So, Rhett, let's uh, let's jump in here. Uh, tell me a little bit about what you do at Anchor Tree and how you help people save money on taxes. So. Anchor Tree is a financial firm, but we really try to do things differently, right? So the financial markets, in my opinion, or I really should say the financial industry really makes things a lot more complicated than it needs to be. So we really just yeah. try to focus everything really on three simple financial questions, right? And the first one is, do you pay too much in taxes? The second one is, do you, take, do you pay too many fees? And the third one is, are all your assets in variable assets, right? And so obviously with number one, if the question is, Yes, or I don't know, we may be able to help. If the second question is yes, or I don't know, we may be able to help. And if the third is yes, or I don't know, we may be able to help. So that's really kind of it in a nutshell. We're really just trying to simplify the process. Really, the bulk of it is, is really when you get into number one, are you paying too much in taxes? We really don't meet too many people uh, that say, no, they're not paying too much. Everyone thinks they're essentially paying too much. So our objective is, to really take a look and try to help those clients find ways to lead legally, right? Mitigate those taxes, whether it's capital gain, whether it's ordinary income. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of the, the 30,000 foot view of what we do. Yeah, well, right, you, you and I hit it off right away because I think we, we kind of share a worldview that uh, just about everyone pays too much in taxes. Almost everyone pays too much in taxes. And it, it's a shame because there's this whole playbook out there. There's tons of strategies that are are not risky, are not controversial. In fact, incentives, right? They're what the government wants you to do um, to, to save money on taxes. But for whatever reason, whether it's behavioral, and this is a topic for a whole nother day, people just don't take advantage of it. And they end up paying way too much in taxes. And you know, that, that trickles, trickles down, right? They retire later than they should. They don't have the retirement that they want. They don't leave the legacy that they'd like to leave, um, all because they're not doing these things that are kind of at their fingertips and, and available to them. Um, no, that, that's exactly true. You just, I mean, you just summed it up uh, in a good point. Yeah. So, so to wit, we're going to talk, we're going to dive into one of these today. And that's why Ken's going to join us here. We're going to we kind of shift towards him a little bit um, and kind of, you know, I guess prove the point that I just made or the, the thesis that I just made that there's a lot of these strategies that are available and people just don't know about them or, or don't take advantage of them uh, to their own detriment. They end up costing themselves uh, quite a bit of money by, by not taking advantage of these. So, and we're talking today about, about RPT. I think a lot of people probably are not familiar with this. So give us the, the elevator pitch, the high level summary, and then we're going to dive into the weeds in a little bit. Yeah, so the Restricted Property Trust uh, is an employee benefit trust that utilizes whole life insurance and only exclusively whole life insurance. But the part about the Restricted Property Trust that's been around since February of 2000, so we're almost to 24 years of implementing Restricted Property Trusts, is we're actually generating a corporate deduction that can be as high as 70% of the contribution. 
So if someone's putting in $100,000, they're going to lower their taxable income by $70,000, which obviously creates a lot of incentive to get this type of planning done. Right, right. Okay, uh, great. I think you, you teased that nicely uh, and, and got some wheels turning and people are excited to, to dive into the weeds here. But before we get really deep here, so who is this for? Who, who can or who should use this or maybe conversely, who should or who shouldn't take advantage of this? Yeah, it, it's certainly not industry specific. Um, we, we've done, I think, every single industry. I started off with a lot of medical cases. That just was the market that I happened to be in. But now it's jewelry store owners, restaurant owners, hotel owners. Ideally, they're going to be business owners. I always okay. have to have a business setting it up. It's got to be a C corporation, an S corporation, or a partnership, or an LLC that elects to be taxed as one of those. And then for me, the real key before people start diving into you know, more complex tax strategies, let's say above a 401k, if you will, and your health insurance deduction is I want that, I want every dollar going into my plan to be coming from the top marginal bracket. So it's Got less it. about the individual's uh, net worth and more about their net income. So I'm looking for a net income of 650,000 or greater before this would be a great, you know, a real opportunity to, uh, to, to explore for providing value. Okay, great. I don't always get a, a super specific answer to that question. So I appreciate that you kind of really narrowed it in there as far as who, who this is for business owners making a, a certain amount of money. Yeah. Um, and I can kind of see where you're going with the importance of that marginal marginal tax bracket, but but we'll kind of we'll get there, I think. So uh, well, let's let's dive in, Ken. Let's yeah. let's talk through the the step by step of of exactly how this works. Okay, so we're going to have a corporate entity. I, I think I'll even go back to my history. We we built this for a very wealthy family in Cleveland, Ohio, almost 24 years ago. Actually, it was probably done about 24 years ago and we did our first trust February of 2000. Uh, at the time, it was called the Crab Plan, not very good for marketing. Uh, we switched that to the Restricted Property Trust. But the reason we've had the success that we've had is because we we built this plan to defend it, not to market it. I think one of the mm -hmm. challenges you see with some tax plans is they're putting these things together and saying, hey, what can we sell a lot of versus what can we defend should this ever be challenged? And, sure. and that's really step one. And I think the real novel thing there, Michael, that came out in play is deferred compensation was a, a big talking point around life insurance back in the late 90s and early 2000s when I was getting involved with this. And we, my tax law firm discovered uh, well, Section 83, which is called Property Transferred in Connections with, with Goods and Services, typically restricted property in the United States are stock options. That's the most common form of property that gets restricted, but you can restrict anything. And I could go to work for you, Michael, and you could say, hey, Ken, I've got a garage behind my office building that's worth $30,000. If you work for me for five years, I'll give you that garage. That would actually also be a plan of restricted property because it's no less than five years. It's a really big deal. And I have to keep working for you for five years or I'm not going to get it. That means I have the choice to say, wow, I love working for Michael and I love that garage. I'm going to pay tax on the fair market value of that garage today, even though I'm not guaranteed to get it in the future. So if mm -hmm. you fire me two years later or I go take another job four years later, I'm not going to get the garage and I'm not going to get my tax money back. But- right. If I work for you for five years and a shopping mall went up across the street, so my little garage is worth $200,000, when you hand me title to that garage, that's a non-taxable transfer. That's all I'm doing with the paid up additions of a whole life insurance policy. 
Okay. Um, very, very interesting. Um, I think he did a nice job setting the stage there with the um, the, the, re the restricted property. So, um, so, so let's talk through how does this, how does a business owner, um, how do they fund this? What are, what are the requirements? Um, and, and I want to talk to you about, you mentioned the potential to, to have a, a, such a write-off or reduce your taxable income by up to 70% of the amount that you're contributing. So let's kind of talk through step-by-step -step of someone decides they want to do this. What's the, what's the first check they write or what's kind of the first uh, flow in this, this money sequence? Sure. Uh, just case we did today, electrical contracting company, two partners, we were doing their buy-sell. Um, they had term insurance for their buy-sell. Now, each of these two partners, they're 50-50 partners, they're funding $150,000 a year each total to the restricted property trust, so $300,000 total. That's going to be fully deducted on the corporate level, but 30% of that will flow through to their personal tax return. That's our garage, right? That's that paid-up addition piece. Yeah. The novel part of the restricted property trust is that when we did our first one, we did it for someone who was 100% shareholder, and we knew we couldn't tell the IRS they might fire themselves. Mm, right? Sure. In, my, in my garage example, um, I'm a true employee, so you could fire me, but we knew we couldn't say this business owner might fire themselves. So we created a what we called a five-year charitable risk of forfeiture. So the business has to fund this for no less than five years, or our third-party independent institutional trustee forfeits the policy for its cash value and gives it to a charity. That was the forfeiture. Now I've been in court. I've, I've been litigated. IRS has said that risk of forfeiture is illusory. The challenge they had in our court case was I've had 19 forfeitures and four deaths. So it's not an illusory risk. And I'll just end with this and open it up to another question. My very favorite and fastest audit I ever had was in early April of 2020. And the field agent called me. It was on a case for a dentist in Columbus, Ohio. And she said, well, this doesn't make any sense to me because the dentist can just choose to pay the premium. And I said, gosh, that's great. Could you call the governor for the state of Ohio and let my client open up his office again? Because the governor <laughs> just shut down all the yeah. dental offices in the state of Ohio. So businesses right. don't operate in a vacuum. And that actually helped a field agent understand why this is legitimate. Sure. Because there, there's risk, right? And there's there's risk beyond just like that, that shut, like any business faces risk, right? Um regardless of it's, it's shut down or, or not um could that business could lose all of its clients or you know businesses yeah. do not operate in the vacuum that government agencies think they operate in yeah yeah i mean <laughs> as, as an entrepreneur i can i can certainly attest to that there's uh you know uh i, I had a full head of hair before i uh <laughs> the business for myself here right there's a lot of late nights a lot of risk and, and things that, that keep you up keep you up at night and, and that you sure. stay worried about um, so, so can talk through how this creates, uh, how this creates wealth. Like what, what is the, uh, the tax advantages here? There's kind of, if, if I'm understanding it correctly, you, you can reduce your tax liability today. Is, is there also a tax-free growth component of this? Am I understanding that correctly? Very much so. So we all are still using whole life insurance. There are, you're, we are going to be picking up 30% of the taxes along the way, but mm -hmm. only about 50% of the cash value is taxable when upon vesting. And that's because the paid up additions add more to the cash value than the base policy premium. I know for some of your podcast listeners, they may not be experts in whole life insurance, but we have two types of premium. One is a contract premium and one is overfunded. Mm -hmm. The deductible portion to the corporation that is not taxable is the contract premium. The overfunded portion is deductible to the corporation, but that's only after it's picked up. 
on the personal tax return. When you do the math, Michael, essentially the restricted property trust is like buying a whole life insurance policy with 80 cent dollars if you're willing to commit to five years. That's really mm -hmm. And when you yeah. use 80 cent dollars, you increase your internal rate of return from about 100 basis points to 700 basis points in 10 years. Um, so, so what's the, uh, what's the end game here? You know, when do, when do the business owners who are funding this, when do they get to, are there restrictions on when they're able to, to realize this or how does, you know, ultimately, um, it, it's great to get money into tax advantage vehicles, but ultimately you want to get money out of them, right? You want to get them out. You want to get them out. That's for sure. So most of our proposals plan on going 10 years. They don't have to commit to 10 years day one. They're still going to commit to five. What's going to happen in practice, and Rhett's been all the way through this cycle with us, is we're going to invoice his client 30 days before year two, three, and four is due. We're going to invoice him at least 60 days prior to year five, because that's when they have to make a decision if they want to extend for another five years. If they do nothing, they will automatically vest in the policy day one, year six. If they extend, which about 90% of our clients do, then, then the game plan becomes to fund this for 10 years. At the end of 10 years, we're going to transfer out this whole life policy with a lot of cash value and death benefit that was obtained in a very tax efficient manner. Right. Okay. Got it. So so let me ask you, Ken, what what do people screw up here? I mean, I think you've kind of alluded to some some different ways that this can go wrong. Um, but but what are the mistakes? What are the mistakes you see people make? Or what I guess what are the mistakes that they would make if if you weren't there to to kind of walk them through this? This happens 10 to 15 times a week. Um, one of the most misunderstood things with restricted property trust is we have to have a reasonable business purpose because we are taking an ordinary and necessary business expense deduction. And the purpose is the death benefit. So I'm only covering key person or buy sell agreements. So the biggest mistake is I get calls from insurance advisors all the time and they say, hey, Ken, I've got a client they want to put $300,000 in. Well, if that client's a 28 year old, that's a lot of life insurance, and that better be a really big, successful business for that to be a reasonable death benefit amount. Um, my worst example, Michael, is I got it. I did our first professional athlete case in the summer of 2015, and this individual was making 35 to 40 million dollars a year in endorsements, and so his advisors wanted him to put a million bucks in. Doesn't seem like a lot of money. Unfortunately, pro athletes are young and healthy; otherwise, they wouldn't be professional athletes. Yeah. <laughs> so. So that would have been 120 million of life insurance. My audit defense would have been it's reasonable to assume his mom needs 120 million dollars to continue this endorsement entity if he dies, and I was not willing to put my 100% track record on the line to defend that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I dropped it to 15 million and this entity is still owed tens of millions of dollars for seven more years and they may not pay, so mom may have to sue a big shoe company whatever. Um, I just wasn't comfortable taking that death benefit that high. That's probably the biggest mistake I see is clients and advisors are thinking about the amount of the deduction and contribution, not the business purpose for implementing the restricted property trust. Got it. Yep. Um, so it, it's you've got to be able to, to justify essentially that um, this is a this is a wise business uh, business expense here to to have this sort of coverage because this person is so important. Um, to, to this organization that if something were to happen to them, the business would be adversely affected. Um, therefore, this is a, a a wise business decision or a justifiable business decision to to fund this policy. Is that kind of the right way to think about it? That's exactly right. So if if you get hit by a bus and yeah. you have a restricted property trust and your business is worth $2 million, 
we could hand your wife $2 million and say, hey, you want to find a key person? Do you want to keep this thing going? Do you want to look for a buyer? But clearly this, but if your business was worth a million dollars, Michael, I couldn't cover you for 2 million. Yeah. The IRS was saying, right. why are you putting a $2 million death benefit on a $1 million business? Yep. Right. 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 And so that's that limitation that we have in, in the most objective way I can do it. We'll do 10 times W2 or five times W2 plus K1. So you take a, a normal RPT client making 250 W2, 750 K1. I can do 5 million a death benefit. Now, if they're 30 years old, eh, not a whole lot of premium. If they're a 65 year old smoker, pretty big contribution. Yep. Yeah. So I want to ask you, Ken, about, about fees. And I think that um, a lot of people like insurance does not have a great reputation, right? Whether it's it's earned or not. A lot of people hear like insurance and like they're immediately on guard, right? They've had a bad experience with someone selling them a policy that they didn't need or that wasn't the right policy and kind of um, was was yeah. more effective at um, at making that salesman rich, right? So how, how, do, how should people think about um, getting comfortable with this and, and how do you approach? I mean, the, Rhett kicked us off here talking about, do you pay too much in fees, right? So this right. is kind of, um, in line with your worldview of, of making sure that uh, that customers aren't going to be paying uh, too much in fees, right? Yeah, and I think that's how you know Rex, Rex Brad initially found me in that the really essentially when you look at this, the tax savings are covering our our compensation um, by mm. a mile. But I think the other thing is, Michael, it is funny in the life insurance. I think we're somewhere just below used car salesman in terms of yeah. trustworthiness. But the proudest moment in my career was I sold a $16 million restricted property trust to, to an individual that hated life insurance. Mm. The only thing he hated more than life insurance was paying taxes. Yep. So he bought this policy and he ended up dying of pancreatic cancer before the first policy mm. anniversary. My trustee cut his son a check for $16 million, who wrote a check to his two sisters for $8 million apiece. All I know is the mom called my partner advisor on December 26, 2017 and said, thank you so much for using that tax deduction to trick my husband into buying that life insurance policy because my kids and grandkids were just here for Christmas yesterday and nobody was fighting about money. Yeah. And, um, and, well, well, that's it. I mean, Michael, that's that's a, if I add to that as well from the fee. Yeah, please. Right. So I think from the fee perspective, the way I look at it, I mean, obviously, and, and Ken can go into this more. To me, the restrictive property trust personally is not necessarily about life insurance. That's just the chassis it has to be built on to basically make this, you know, I guess I may be saying this wrong, but legally from a tax perspective. But yeah. when you really look at fees, a lot of times in my practice, I'm looking at it more as like a DB alternative. And it's not basically saying one is better than the other, but depending on what type of business owner you're dealing with and if they, and depending on what type of employees they have, if you look at that defined benefit plan, you really look at the fact that they may have to, in order to put away or defer 150 grand, they may have to have additional 100 grand cost in you know additional employee benefits. So when you really look at the fee structure, it's not so much about you know what is the commission coming out of the life insurance. It's more about if I do a DB plan. Realistically, if I'm putting 150 away and having to spend additional 100 grand for employee contributions, that's a huge, tremendous fee. So when you really look at it over a maybe five, yeah. 10, 15 year period, and then you look at the actual you know, tax liability as you exit that DB plan, you know, it, a lot of times it seems that that business owner is always in a net negative, not necessarily realizing. So I just, I wanted to add to that as well. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, and 
Then you made a great point too about life insurance having this negative connotation right up there with with used car salesmen. I mean, certainly part of that is earned, right? There there are people who have um, have uh, ripped off consumers, for lack of a better word, with with life insurance. But there's there's a lot of great scenarios too. And I think what Ken just mentioned that that scenario talking about the the sixteen million dollar payout. Yeah. Um, I mean, insurance can be a tremendously powerful powerful thing, um, not only from from protecting your loved ones, but it can be an extremely tax efficient vehicle. It just got to be done correctly and you've got to avoid these excessive fees. So um, it's one of those things that when, when done correctly um, can be tremendously powerful and, and not deserving of this uh, kind of negative connotation that's that's associated with it. So, yeah. You know, one thing, Michael, I wanted to piggyback on something you had said earlier about yeah. people not move, not, not really understanding the tax code and how to use it for their advantage. I yeah. think one of the biggest mistakes I see with clients when I go to a professional athlete and say, hey, you can't get a million in here. You can only do 150,000. Well, if that was the client, they probably just walk away because they, they just want to hit a home run. Mm -hmm. And you can win a lot of baseball games with 23 singles. Yeah. Right. And, and so I, I view the RPT maybe as a ground rule double. But if you're going out for a big steak dinner, I'm okay with being your side of Brussels sprouts. This does not, yeah. this is not the home run. This is not going to solve all your tax problems. And clients, they just get so excited about that. It's like, no, take all the little steps, you know, yeah. do the S corp, do this. I mean, I remember when I redid my corporate structure in 2003, I was only saving 11,000 a year. Well, that was 20 years ago. Yeah. That's a couple hundred grand sitting in my bank now. Yeah. Right now it's a number. Eleven thousand wasn't very exciting, but I've been doing that efficiently every year. Yep. Yeah, you know, I think kind of my my I have kind of two laws of the the universe of the investment universe, and the first is the, the two best times to pay taxes are are later and never. And the second one is I stole this from Albert Einstein. He said compounded returns are the eighth wonder of the world. Yeah. Right. So um, if if you do these little things and and over a long enough period of time, look, there's tons of examples of this, right? Like fund a fund a um a Roth IRA for your kids, right, and see what's right. in it by the time they're they're fifty nine and a half. Yeah. Um, you know, it, you know, the, the 500 bucks or a thousand bucks they make mowing lawns when they're nine years old doesn't seem like a lot, but combine that with the 6,000 bucks they make bagging groceries when they're 13. And, and, um, by the time they're retiring, you've left them something, uh, something pretty incredible. That's for sure. And that's yeah. a great way to look at it. So it's really actually taking the time to do every little thing you can do. Yeah. So, so Ken, you you've alluded a few times here. I want to kind of ask you a last question here about um, about this being in a gray area. Or you you've used a term like this is you've built this to be defensible. Um, so, so there's I mean, there's a lot of um, this isn't necessarily as as cut and dry as maybe some other strategies, right? It's not like a four hundred one k where you can contribute exactly twenty two thousand five hundred dollars, and if you're over fifty, you can do another, right? There's there's a little bit of of interpretation and a little bit of gray area. So, so how can folks, um, how do folks think about uh, about that, about making sure that, um, you know, they're they're kind of on the right side, and uh, you know, I always say assume you're going to get audited, and and make sure that yeah. this is defensible in that scenario. Yeah, great question. So I would say one thing, I, and I talk a lot about my audits with clients, um, and certainly appellate cases. I've been deposed by the Department of Justice twice for seven hours. I've had my emails subpoenaed by the National Office of Chief Counsel. I've been doing this a long time. But my audit hit rate over the previous 20 years is a little bit less than 0.5%, whereas the national average for high income earners is 0.73. So I'm not mm -hmm. triggering audits. You certainly can't say, oh, if you set this up, you're going to get audited. Uh, statistically, yeah. I, I have no idea why I'm less. But what, what I have done, and this is, I think, a, <laughs> the only reason RPT is still here. For example, the, the court case I won, Man Construction, back March 3rd of 2022, 
on whether or not the restricted property trust was a potentially abusive tax shelter, that was, we had $40,000 of penalties at stake. Mm. Um, I was spending more than that a month on legal fees for three years. Uh, wow. And we won. Um, we won unanimously in the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals, which was great. But I defend every single plan 100% at my expense. And I'll take their audit risk, not their audit risk, but I can take their tax risk to zero. And I don't do that because I'm friendly or nice or trying to help people out. I do it because I'm greedy, because keeping that track record at 100% is worth a lot of money. Yeah, absolutely. I, I used to have um, one of my first jobs. I had a boss. He used to say to, to clients, he'd say, um, I'm going to make you real happy today, but then you're going to be pretty upset down the road, right? And I, I was thinking about that, Ken, with your example of the, the professional athlete, right? You could have made him real happy on that day, right? And said, yeah, right. great, let's do this. Um, and then they would have been pretty upset down the road. <laughs> um, and so it's kind of important to, to kind of plan for that day, um, that day down the road, I think. So I, I appreciate Michael, your perspective there. I have to interrupt you there. I literally was in, in San Francisco when I had that meeting in 2015, I got on the elevator and my partner advisor called me and I was telling him we went from 1 million to 150,000. And he was so mad because yeah. he had lowered the contribution. And I said, I, I'm not worried about being the life of the party today, but I'd sure like to be the life of the party 10 years from now. Exactly yeah. what I said on the elevator call when I dropped the contribution 85%. <laughs> uh, well, I'll have to introduce you to Craig Stout someday. You guys will get along famously, it sounds like, because you've, uh, <laughs> you're have echoing each other from opposite sides of the country. It's how you um, stay around. It's how you stay in business. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me ask you, um, the last question is is for you, Rhett. For folks who've been listening and they say, this sounds pretty interesting and I want to learn more, um, where can they go to, to find more about this or to, to get in touch with you guys? Yeah, so I, so simply they can go to my website. It's it's www.3simplefinancialquestions.com or simply they can email me at rgrimes at anchortreecapital.com. Uh, that's probably going to be the best place to reach out. And then the fact that, you know, Ken works exclusively with advisors and then we'll just bring Ken into the picture and and have the discussion. And a, and a lot of times, I mean, that's really just the basis of it, just bringing them in, kind of getting a feel of what their situation is and just seeing if the RPT will work or not. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't, but I guess you really never know unless you you know kind of take a look at it. Yep. Okay. Um, very good. And I'll make sure that that Rhett's email address and the the website he mentioned are in the show notes, so uh, they'll be kind of at your fingertips to to reach out to him. Um, Ken, Rhett, this yeah. has been fantastic. I, I love diving into the weeds here, nerding out a little bit on on some <laughs> of these tax saving strategies. So thank you both for coming on and, and sharing your wisdom. Thank, thank you. I'm always a fan of nerding out on tax. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, appreciate it. Ken, appreciate it, thank, bud. Thank you, right. gentlemen. Thank you, guys. Have a great weekend. Thanks, guys. All right, bye-bye. That's it for today's show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify to help spread the word to other investors. And we'll be back soon with another episode.